Just a quick disclaimer guys before we actually start the video. Uh, there's a lot of background noise in this video. I do apologize. Uh, the studio's not on a building site. Uh, should hopefully just be as a one-off. Um, but hope you enjoy the video inshallah. Assalamu alaikum, my dear respected brothers and sisters. Welcome to another episode of the Arc of Thought podcast. Today's episode, we're talking dress code, we're talking hairstyles, and we're talking fashion, and how all of this impacts us as Muslims in the West. Now, there's some really important questions that we want to get into. Um, and we feel that sometimes a larger emphasis is placed on hairstyles and on fashion than maybe needs to be. Okay, so what we want to talk about is, is there some particular type of clothing that we need to be wearing? What are the principles of the clothing that we need to wear? Um, does our clothes have such a huge impact that it affects whether or not we pray? And another question that we want to get into is, provided that the clothing or the style fits the traditions and the principles of Islam, then do we need to wear a specific item of clothing? Um, does it need to be according to a particular culture? Or is Islam diverse and allows us to dip between cultures provided the initial principles are met? Right, so let's get into it. Uh, but before we do, uh, please hit the like button down below. Uh, subscribe to the channel and that will that will help us um, a lot in trying to get the content out there and to share our thoughts, especially if you're enjoying it as well. Uh, but before we do today, Kasim, I've got a coffee with me. Today's been a long day at work, man. Um, and I feel like today is going to be an interesting topic, and I'm gonna I'm gonna have to uh, be finely tuned and uh, well aware and wide awake. Um, so let's get started. Okay. So initially, what we want to talk about, like we said, we mentioned the three different sections. Let's start with dress code first. Okay. Um, tell me what are your thoughts to begin with, and then I'll dip in and out, um, and we can we can continue the conversation. Right. Uh, in terms of dress code. I don't want to maybe play devil's advocate here, but is Islam or do we reckon Islam is very restrictive in how a person can dress? Do you reckon there's only one way of dressing? Mm -hmm. Or do you reckon, alhamdulillah, Islam, that this vast religion has given us such principles that allows every sort of person from any sort of culture, race, sort of continent, because Islam has spread throughout the four corners of the world, allows a person to live wherever he is in different sort of climates and dress in a certain manner which fits the principles of Islam. Yeah, I think this is a really important question and there's obviously a wider question behind this as well, Kasim. There's The wider question is the impact of culture and religion and whether they mix or not as well. So I think what I want to do is I want to start there, begin the conversation from there and then, then we can move forward into actual dress sense. That's fine. So I think my two pennies worth in terms of culture and religion is they are perfectly fine to mix. You know, a lot of people, they have this connotation, they have this understanding that Islam says no to culture. No, it doesn't. Okay. The Islamic art is dependent upon culture. I see so many people across the world, let's say in one particular type of art, in calligraphy. Okay. There's Kufic styles that are based in from people in Iraq. There are styles from as far east as China, okay, and the influence that they have had on calligraphy as well. There's even people who are doing more Western style calligraphy as well. So this is just one example. And I think the point here is culture can intertwine with religion 
provided the culture and the principles of the culture that you're implementing does not clash with the principles of Islam. Okay. And what I'm trying to say here is this applies in the same way in clothing as well. And to give an example, when I was in university, um, one of the things that is beautiful about university is you see so many people from so many different backgrounds. You see African brothers and sisters. You see brothers and sisters that have come from, from Europe. You see brothers and sisters that have come from the Middle East. You see brothers and sisters that have come from the subcontinent. And you see brothers and sisters that have come from the Far East. Okay, And the beauty that you see is we weren't unified in wearing a specific item of clothing, but the unity was in the principle behind the clothing. You know, I mean, we joke, right? But you've seen me wear um, a sarong, according to the Indonesians and the Malaysians, they have what's called a sarong. Um, the subcontinental people know that as a lungi. Um, and it tends to be like bright, bright, beautiful colors. You know, one of the beautiful things about Jumma in university that I really used to enjoy was seeing the people coming from their own cultures and taking that culture to heart and being happy to show that culture and wear the clothing that associated with their culture. Honestly, it was beautiful, man. I used to really enjoy seeing that. Um, and I think that's what we, the sort of route that we're going down and that we want to talk down. Um, so yeah, sorry, carry on. So you alluded to the fact that because Islam is so diverse, every person from every sort of way of life can actually practice Islam in its own way, mm -hmm. just as long as they follow the principles. Mm -hmm. Okay? So that's something that I agree with as well. Islam has given us principles. It's not given us one sort of way where we follow. Even, we don't want to get into this discussion, but even fit. Yeah, there are principles which are there, but there are different ways of even, for example, just performing your salah, there's no one way of saying this is the only correct way because it's not. Mm -hmm. There are so many different correct ways of performing your salah, just for example. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the discussion we have today is that as us guys living in the West, how should we dress mm -hmm. according to the principles that Islam has given to us? One of the things is to briefly outline the principles that Islam has given to us. Mm -hmm. So... For example, we are told to dress modestly. Mm -hmm. We are told to wear loose clothing, and we are also told to dress in a manner which doesn't reveal our body. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, the question that I want to ask you now is that: Is there only one type of clothing which fits this criteria, or is there many different types of clothing which fits this criteria? I'll take that as a rhetorical question. I'll let you continue. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's multiple there's multiple types of clothing um, that would fit the bill okay so now we just want to highlight a sort of issue that does arise especially and our i've seen it now subcontinent sort of communities and where you see a youngster he's wearing just say jeans and a shirt or jeans and a jacket for example or a hoodie and he comes to the masjid for salah now i know this is very sad but i know many youngsters who have been turned away from the masjid or once they've been praying salah after salah they've been told off or somebody, somebody has said something to them saying that why are you wearing this type of clothing? Mm -hmm. You should be wearing the thobe, you should be wearing this sort of particular type of clothing. Now that's something which I don't find is correct. Mm -hmm. Well, because first of all, he's fulfilling the principles, his body is covered, his clothes are not tight, he can perform his salah. Why are we making things difficult for our youngsters living in this country? Because let's be honest, even the people in the subcontinent sort of community, they don't wear what the Arab Bedouins used to wear. They wear a clothing which comes from the subcontinent. Because even the thobe of the Juba today is not the thobe of the Juba which was in the time of the Bedouins. Even the Kurta today, that wasn't in the time of the... Yeah, it's close to, 
but that's taken from the subcontinent more than it's taken from the Arab Bedouins. Mm -hmm. So are we preferring culture here or are we preferring Islam? I think for me, the way that I see it is provided a person fits the principles of loose and modest clothing. Um, and there are other principles as well. I mean, we're mentioning just loose and modest clothing to begin with, but there are other things as well. Like you mentioned, um, revealing of, of skin, this is something that's, that we don't necessarily commit um, within Islam. Um, there are other things as well that, you know, we may not highlight in, in this particular podcast, but they, they do exist and most are well acquainted with these idea, ideas as well. So we don't want to get necessarily into the nitty gritty. Um, but the way that I see it is, provided that somebody can fulfill the rights of Allah, which is the performance of Salah, if the clothing is sufficient to be pray, to pray Salah in, then that clothing is sufficient and, and, and is permissible to wear um, within public. Um, and I think that that's generally the ideology that we have to have. And I think we have to backtrack a bit here as well. We ha I think we have to caveat it here, saying there's a difference between what is the best form of clothing to wear or what is the most ideal form of clothing to wear compared to what is permissible to wear. And I think, especially in this day and age, living in the West, living in the 21st century, although we want to be the best that we can be, it's not always possible or it's not always easy, shall we say, for our youngsters to implement that. And we need to understand that. If we are pushing, sorry, if we are pushing to have the best form or the, the most ideal form and by that we drive people away, we drive people away from the masjid, we drive people away from the book of Allah, we drive people away from Islam, then I think that's very problematic because you're chasing the ideals when they're doing something which is permissible. Okay. Um, okay, so let me just stop you here. Why do you reckon we have that host now communities? Why do you reckon? When, well, I've seen it sometimes a youngster comes into the mosque and he doesn't, he's not wearing a topi, for example, he's not wearing a hat, okay? And after Salah, somebody will tell him, oh, you should be wearing a topi, you know, you can't pray in a mosque. No! Like, just leave him, let him go. He's praying Salah, you know, in the 21st mm -hmm. century, a youngster comes to the masjid praying Salah. Well, what do you want? Mm -hmm. You know, those other things that you're seeing, the idea, this is the, this is the cherry on the top. Mm -hmm. He's coming to leave him. You know, think, it, it will come with time. I think, I think this is the thing that sometimes we have become impatient in the way that that, that we advise. Um, impatient and unwise. Um, there's a time and a place to have conversations with people. And the thing is, we aren't biding the time. We aren't waiting for the moment. Um, we, we want to be very blunt. Um, and I think, like I said, the, the problem is is that when if somebody is making this choice to talk about talk about the clothing or the way one dresses with somebody you need to understand your relationship with that person first um and you need to understand are you are you the right person to tackle this um and is it the right opportunity to do so and are you going to cause more harm than good okay if there's a possibility and a very high possibility that you are going to cause more harm than good then maybe it might not be appropriate. And sometimes I think we have to take that step back at that point. Um, so, yeah. And I think there are other points to consider as well. And sometimes I'm not saying that we don't consider these points and, and people who advise in this manner don't consider these points. But we do need to remember in the age that we're living in that Muslims in this country, in the West generally, 
have been attacked, okay, um, both physically, emotionally, psychologically, um, within the public, within workspaces, um, sometimes even you know within their own homes as well. And some some people do feel fear, you know, of dressing in a manner as a Muslim. Some people feel fear to show other people or show the, the public that they are Muslim. And we have to be aware of the journey that people are going along. You know, me and you, we, we have beards, okay? Um, and publicly, people know that we are Muslim. We, we don't shy away from that. But not everybody but, but, is Well, now I'll argue against, and I'd say, oh, beards come to fashion, so uh, it doesn't really represent that I'm a Muslim because yeah. even a non-Muslim has a beard, so how many differentiate? Okay. Fair point, fair point. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, so that, that that definitely is one aspect in terms of the beard. But in terms of clothing, once you wear a thob or once you wear a salwar kameez, then it's very evident or a high probability that you are a Muslim. Um, and like I said, I think this is something that we need to be wary of and we need to be careful of, um, both in terms of our, our young uh, brothers and our young sisters as well, you know, because we also want to talk about the hijab and the niqab as well. Um, but I don't want to get into the polemics about which is wajib and which is not wajib. That's up to you uh, as an individual to consult your own scholars. Uh, we aren't qualified to do that. Um, but what, what we can talk about is that there are many young girls out there who are worried about how society will perceive them or not, not necessarily just perceive them, like what someone might do to them. Yeah, and I've, um, I've heard so many stories. People come tell me, what's happened to their wives or people that they know in public just because they were wearing a scarf or they were wearing a pub. Yeah. You know, we may live in a community where this doesn't happen, mm-hmm. but in other parts of the UK or other parts of the West, this thing, these these things do happen. Mm-hmm. And these are things that we need to consider and not make a sort of blank, uh, blanket sort of statement upon everybody saying, no, you have to dress like this. No, mm-hmm. you have to take other things into factor. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah. I'm sorry, you carry on. Yeah, and I get I, the other thing that I wanted to talk about was was converts, people who convert to Islam. We know that we know that it's a very common thing in the West right now as well. And Alhamdulillah, you know, many people are reading into Islam, especially after the way that the media is portraying us. Some people are choosing to read into Islam and do their own research, or they come into contact with good Muslims um, who point them in the right direction, and they, of their own free will, decide to become Muslims. And sometimes what happens is these these very people who have become the Muslims, sometimes they'll go into the community of Muslims and unfortunately they are told about you need to do X, Y and Z, which ne- aren't necessarily amongst the, the farida or amongst the, the things which are need to be done foremost. Okay, um, And clothing is amongst one of them, you know, um, dress sense is amongst one of them. So I think this is our two pence worth. Um, in I, terms just, of... I just want to end this here or I want to move on but I just want to say that yeah it's very very easy to grow a beard and put on a soap and wear a topi mm-hmm. that's very very easy let's be honest it doesn't take long maybe a few weeks to get over that societal pressure the hardest thing or the most important thing according to me this is my opinion is changing the inside mm-hmm. that's that's what takes effort that's what takes time and that's what a true Muslim is is that his inside has changed because the outside is just an exterior mm-hmm. You know, and this is again just an opinion, and we're going to mention this later on, but we shouldn't generalize. Just, just say we see a sister without any hijab. Allah, we don't know what she does in her spare time. We don't know how much Quran she pays, the salah that she reads. Allah, we don't know. I've seen so many sisters at university. They used to come to the bedroom, they and they have the hijab in the bag. 
you know, another people talk about the societal pressure on, you know, women have been attacked a lot, you know, the struggles that they go through, we can't even understand. To look a certain way, to, you know, to be a certain way. And I saw sisters come into the prayer room and they would pray the salah, they would take off, the, take off their makeup and they would put on their hijab and they would pray. But once they leave the prayer room, they would take off their hijab. But you know what, one day, maybe five years, ten years down the line, these same girls, these same women will get the opportunity to wear hijab full time. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's, it's a thing about time. It takes time. You know, we shouldn't be pushing people. We shouldn't be forcing things on people. But things happen naturally, mm-hmm. you know? I think at the same time, I also want to caveat as well. Like, I was a person, and I'm talking personal experience here, and I can't talk about from the female perspective. Um, I'm talking about from my, from my own perspective. When I was at university, um, I have had a beard from a very young age, um, and I chose, and it was my choice that I would wear uh, a thobe or a jubba um, in university. This is how I cho- chose to dress, and I do feel like it has certain benefits as well um, in terms of being a Muslim because it is protection for you. You know, if somebody knows that you are Muslim, or if you are portraying yourself as a Muslim, you realize that there are pressures to make sure that you act as a Muslim. Yeah, you know, you you can't be wearing. Uh, a thawb or a jubba and have a beard and you're wearing a topi and you're delivering sermons from from the from the khutbah um, and then all of a sudden you're you're seen in places where you shouldn't be seen or you're caught in actions that you should not be doing or you're with groups of people who you shouldn't be with and naturally dressing in such a manner will have an impact because it'll make you think twice before you do things like this so there is definitely benefit and I'm not negating yeah, no, definitely the there's huge um, benefits but it's uh, what I want to say is that it's not the be old and end all. Yeah, yeah. There's much definitely. more to Islam than just mm-hmm. the way that we dress. And I think that our communities they need to get over this. Mm-hmm. That just because a certain person dresses a certain way it doesn't really reflect on who he is. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's so many examples we're gonna mention later on, inshallah. So stay mm-hmm. tuned. But yeah. Um, I think the final thing to that I want to end on before we move on to the next section is about um companies, Muslim companies, um fashion companies that are coming onto the market now um, who are really helping um, in fulfilling the loose and modest clothing and clothing which fulfills Islamic principles. And I, ju- I just want to give a shout out to these kind of companies. You know, yeah. uh, more in the in the female space and in the male space, um, I think in the male space generally we're okay, but especially for, for women who want to dress in a modest way, in a way that adheres to Islamic principles, um, I think in maybe five years ago, ten years ago, it was very difficult. Um, there weren't companies that were catering, um, and I don't, I don't want to talk about like luxury, modest brands because I, I also believe that they have their own space, they have their own place to be there, and there are a lot of them that are coming up now as well, and they have their own place. But I mean, in particular, for for me as as a husband, I see my wife using certain websites, certain uh, companies, and honestly, I, I make dua for these companies. Um, companies such as Modernisa who supply or who provide uh, for this market of loose and modest clothing um, which is not see-through, um, which doesn't reveal the figure, whilst at the same time is is also stylish as well. Because let, let's not be, be around the bush here. We also want to wear things that are nice, that look, look nice, nice as well. Um, and that are not tacky as well, you know, that are good quality um, and are affordable. And like the company that I mentioned, Alhamdulillah, you know, from my, from my side, when I see my wife ordering from from them, honestly, like I don't know about them politically. I don't know who they are. I don't know what type of people they are. 
but just because they run a business like this, for me, it's a big thing. <laughs> I make dua for yeah. that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They're providing a need in the market. Yeah, definitely. And they're definitely. making uh, the life of Muslims a lot easier. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned this thing about fashionable and neat and stuff. I just want to touch upon this as well. Is that, I'm like, you know, a big representation of being a Muslim or to show publicly, publicly that you're a Muslim mm-hmm. is that you wear the robe and you have a beard and you wear a topi and stuff. And my, this is just my few friends, but you know what? On the, in the West, Allah blesses with money. Mm-hmm. So we should try to look as neat as possible. I'm not if you wear a jubba, wear a nice jubba. You know, even, even those ones who keep beards, you know, keep it groomed, you know? Mm-hmm. If you need to, like me, I go to the, when I get a haircut, I get my, I get my face threaded. The reason why, because it just makes everything stand out. It makes things look nice. You know, look after yourself. You know, mm-hmm. portray Islam in the best, beautiful manner that you got. Because Allah loves beauty. Mm-hmm. You know? So we should be doing that as well. We shouldn't be walking around, you know, with the jubba, which is like, maybe not in the best in the best manner. And our beards are like, every, you know, if you don't suit a long beard, don't keep a long beard. Keep it so it looks nice. You know, you go to, you meet the scholars from uh, Egypt. Allah, you know, the way these people dress, oh, smart, man. You know, they look the part. You know, their thobes, the Azimi thobes, amazing. You know, then you meet the guys from Tunisia. You know, they have their thobes and their long jubas. Amazing. They look beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, and then the guys from Syria, mashallah, you know, they look the part, you know. So if you're going to dress, we're going to dress like that, you know, make sure that we look good. Mm-hmm. You know, and we give the best of image of Islam to others as well. Mm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay, so let's let's move on now. Um, we've talked about fashion, we've talked about clothing. I think another thing which um, which gets a lot of attention um, is hairstyles and haircuts. Um, now, again, I want to I want to go back to the same thing that I mentioned before about what's the best or the most ideal form of haircut. And it is the one that we, we are generally told about, that the most ideal form of haircut is, is to have level hair um, over the head. But, and again, this is something which is contested amongst the ulama. Um, but is, a hair, is hair which is equal all over, um, is that something which has to and has to be adhered, adhered to? Or is there flexibility within this as well? Yes, in my opinion. I'm asking your opinion because you can't give a verdict. You're not no. qualified, you know. Again, it's the same thing about the clothing. Is that we shouldn't shouldn't get too bogged down in these issues. Mm-hmm. You know, if a person looks like a lunatic, okay, he needs to be told. <laughs> if a person has a mohawk and he's red, green, blue, for example, okay, he might need some nasiha, some advice in private, in front of everybody, you know. But generally, like. For me, if, if your hair, it looks neat and it looks nice, you know, and you get a certain haircut because you look good in that manner, like, what's, what's wrong with that, for example? Mm-hmm. I was listening to one of the movies, and I'm not going to mention his name, but he said that, you know, even this debate among scholars, it's like, just, we're not, we're, even us guys, when we get haircuts, we're not imitating the Christians and the Jews, we're not. I'm getting a certain haircut because... That's what looks good on me, mm-hmm. for example. You know? Yes. And again, like, why do we get so bogged down in the way somebody's head is? Honestly, like, I'll, I'll be very sort of frank, but a person's hair doesn't really affect his relationship with Allah. You know? A person's hair, in the grand scheme of things, again, it's that cherry on the top. Mm-hmm. You know? And again, we shouldn't be turning away people or. Uh, mistreating people or looking at people just because of their hair. I think that's very immature. Mm-hmm. I think if we want to be good Muslims or better Muslims, we need to look a lot further than that. Mm-hmm. And I think the, what we're trying to avoid here 
and you can you probably see it. We're trying to avoid the academics here. Yeah. Um, because I, d- I don't feel it's the time and place to talk about the academic behind it and, and the ruling behind it. We What we're trying to talk about and what we're trying to discuss here is for the, the general Muslim, the day-to-day Muslim. Um, and what we're trying to discuss here is the shunning of the day-to-day Muslim from Muslim society, which results in that person going away from being a Muslim or attaching himself to the masjid. Yeah. And it's a difficult conversation to have, you see, and that that's why I think you, you can probably notice, you can probably notice as well with the way that we're talking, okay? It's, it's not an easy conversation to have. Um, but like I said, I think academically there is scope for a person to have unequal hair. And if there is scope for unequal hair to exist to a certain extent, you know, there's, like Kassim mentioned, there are, there are certain haircuts which are completely shunned. Um, and the general rule that I tend to follow, um, and as me personally is, I won't cut my hair to an extent where skin is visible, okay? Um, because I, I don't I don't think that's appropriate, okay? And that that's my own two pence worth, okay? Um, that a person cuts their hair to, to the extent that skin is not visible. If it's equal or unequal, um, I'm not going to get a ruler out and start measuring your hair, you know? Um, and I think I think this is the point that we're trying to make here. Um, that as long as it looks neat, um, as long as it looks presentable, you know, it looks yeah, it looks presentable. And I think the way that I tend to judge it is that in a professional environment, would you fit in? Okay, uh, I'm not. We're not talking about an Islamic environment now. We're talking about a professional environment. If you were to attend a meeting of senior people from maybe a company that you work in, or senior delegates would you look out of place okay and if you look out of place and generally you know that your your heck is problematic because i think even you know we live in the west even those people in the west they have certain unwritten rules that they probably adhere to okay um and i think sometimes what's happened is um we can i can talk from the people of the continent because that's where we're from okay and uh, some people do take the absolute biscuit okay with some of the the hairstyles um we're recording this and eid's not taking place as yet but i just know that you know if i go out on eid day and i see some the the state of the hair of some people there's going to be some funky and wacky designs um but that that's not what we're trying to get into that's not i mean there's one end of the spectrum which is like completely gone one way um and the other end of the spectrum is you know is the stricter side yeah and what we're trying to call for and what we're trying to advocate for and what we're allowing for is somewhere in between yeah. okay um and it might be and it might be that somebody does come along who doesn't have hair which is appropriate but again it goes back to that thing of are we the right person is it the right time um to have that discussion or does that person need a bit more time does that person need a bit more love you know um and i think that's what that's what we're trying to get to on. i think that one of the Things to take from this is that don't make things too hard on people. Mm. You know, sometimes there are things you just let go. And here we're just concentrating upon the basics. You know, we get to those the things of perfection later on in life. Mm-hmm. But for now, especially for the Muslim youth and stuff, I'm like, somebody's doing good. You know, accept him, accept him for whatever he has. Mm-hmm. That's just what I think. Anyway. Okay. Um, and finally, I think the last section that we want to talk about is. How does our clothing, how does our hairstyles, how does the way that we dress, how does that affect our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? How does that affect our religiosity? You know, um, does it have a huge impact or or otherwise, basically? Right. 
in this one, I think uh, you might need to stop me on a few things, but I have a, I have a lot of experiences about this, mm -hmm. and it completely changed my mind. I completely opened my mind, and the way I look at things are completely different now. When I was in Egypt, one of my friends from America, his name is Omar. He came to Egypt at the same time, maybe a few weeks before me. He's from the same continent as well. And his father is a scholar who studied in Pakistan. So the reason I mention it is just to put it in context is that he went to study. So his father said to him, Omar, if you want to go study, go to Egypt. Shall you be enrolled in Al-Azhar? Go there, inshallah. Then he said to me, he said, Omar, I'm going to tell you one thing, and it's not going to make sense until you get there. So he said to him, what is it, dad? So he said to him, he goes, Omar, when you go to Egypt, you're going to meet people. And he said, Wallahi, you're going to meet people who are wearing shirt and pants. Okay, in our community, is Afshan straight away. Shirt and pants, the person who's wearing that, you know, he's straight away. Second of all, he said to him, Omar, they're going to have no beards. They're going to be clean shaven. They're not going to have a stubble. But then he said, Omar, these people, because I swear by Allah, their Iman is on levels that mean you can never be in reach. And he said to his father, what do you mean? Because <laughs> Omar, you know, he has a beard, you know, he's been to Pakistan, you know. So he came to Egypt. And Wallahi, not only Omar, not only myself, every single person who was there met people like this. Wallahi, they were wearing shirt and pants. Wallahi, they had no beards. But the relationship they had with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the love that they had for Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, is something that means you can only dream of. I want to give you one story of mine, is that my own teacher, his name is Ustad Osama. Okay, so he would wear shirt and pants, he had no beard. But he honoured every single person who had a beard. Okay, for example, if you went to Egypt now, they call you Sheikh. <laughs> yeah, just because you have a beard, you know, even if you have a small stomach, they call you Sheikh. When he would come and, you know, he also he would teach me, I still remember this, and this is what I'm talking about, it's what's on the inside, more, it's more important what's on the inside than on the outside, is that when he used to write the words on the board and I used to write down in my notebook, Wallahi, I'm not lying, Wallahi, not that spare time, maybe that 10-15 seconds, he was already like this, Allahumma salliyana Muhammad, Allahumma salliyana Muhammad, Allahumma salliyana Muhammad, he was constantly sending durood upon the Prophet you know? And his life and his tongue were just filled with zikr of Allah. You know, I remember he used to give me examples, you know, in grammar. Wallah, he knew the Quran like the back of his hand. Wallah, he'd give examples from here, from there, from there. And then I realized that, Wallah, don't judge anybody. You know, he might be clean shaven, he might be wearing shirt and pants. But Wallah, his connection with Allah, his love for Nabi Sallallahu is something crazy. Another example, in Egypt, uh, the majority of the Mashafir, so when they play Fajr Salah, they know what the Shafi'i is. Beginning time, bang, they do Azan, and then 20 minutes later, they play Salah. Even though there's one hour, 20 minutes, according to left until Salah, okay? And if you do play a bit later. Wallahi, there's people you meet in Egypt, the Mu'addin, he is in the Masjid one hour before beginning time, meaning that hour to Hajjud. And he's given Azan, and he's been doing this for 20 years. And he's clean-shaven, and he's running shirt and pants. But every single day he's awake for tahajjud, he's reading Quran and he's giving the adhan, he's praying the Salat of Fajr in the Masjid. When you meet people like this, when you see people like this, you start to understand that Wallahi, Islam is much more than the clothes that we wear and the beard that we keep and the hat that we have. It's A lot of it is to do what's on the inside. Mm -hmm. you know. And these, I have so many experiences, these are just two that I wanted to mention. Yeah, I think you're 100% you're correct about it about that especially you're just mentioning a couple of personal experiences but it goes beyond that you know 
um, trying to to make people aware about, you know, that to look beyond a person's clothing, to look beyond a person's hairstyle. And you've mentioned a couple of examples, a couple of examples that you mentioned. These are just people. I have so many, millions, yeah. hundreds. But what I'm saying is the, these examples that you're giving are people who are older. And sometimes, you know, it's it's harder to shake somebody who's older, you know. Um, if a person is wearing a particular type of clothing, but we know that the imam is firm, you know, the people, the people that you've given examples of, nobody's going to question them. You know, nobody, nobody has the guts, let's be honest, to question a, a 35, 40-year-old man. What we have sympathy for and... What we struggle to comprehend and what I struggle to comprehend, Kasim, is when an 18-year-old lad yeah. comes into the masjid, okay, and they are being told in a very stern manner or they are they are being reprimanded in a way which is beyond, which is not appropriate at all, okay? And I think that's that's the, that's the, the problem, you see, because imagine it's like a plant that grows, a seed that begins to grow. You know, when a seed begins to grow, when it's small, then the weather has a lot of effect on that seed and whether it grows or not. Okay, if the weather is is severe, if there's a lot, if there's too much water, if there's too much sunlight, okay, if there's too much wind, then that plant, that seed, will struggle to grow, and that seed will not prosper into becoming a flower, into becoming a tree. But the difference is once that once that seed is established, once it begins to grow properly, and once it begins to to grow up, then what tends to happen is is that you you can use maybe like a bamboo stick to straighten it out because the original roots have been established strong the 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 stalk has begun to grow but you try doing that to a seedling and that seedling will wither away and die okay and that's the same point that we're trying to make here that whilst a youngster is fresh whilst a youngster is new whilst they are beginning their journey as a muslim whilst they are beginning their journey in life if we are going to be stern, if we are going to be severe, without wisdom, then that seedling of iman that is inside of the youngster's heart, it may die. Okay, it may not prosper. It may go crooked. It may disappear. Yeah. And if it does so, then we are liable for that. Okay, and all for the sake of that person's clothing. Yeah. On like we said, on the other hand, you know, I think the problem here is is that some people have a concern that. There's a saying, you know, you give somebody your finger and they take your entire arm, yeah. okay? And the saying is basically trying to say that you you give some allowance, but the person, they, they take more than what the allowance is due, okay? That's in its place. But here what we're saying is if you don't give the allowance in the first yeah. place and you're making Islam to be this very restrictive um, thing on a person's life, then it becomes very difficult. And I think this is what we have to understand. Is what we we have to try and comprehend, uh, what we have to bring our head around, um, and where and the 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 wisdom is in allowing those things which are which have an allowance, um, those things which can go sort of under the carpet, and where we can draw the line and turn around and say, right, okay, you've you've crossed the line now. This is a point where um, you need some advice. Um, and I think I think this is a conversation, isn't it? I just want to mention one thing. In Arabic, they say They say generalization is the language of an ignorant person. Now, it's very ignorant on our part now to say that every single person who wears shirt and pants has no beard. You know, his Islam, it doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. And then on the same hand, we also say that the person who, wears, who has a beard and he has a thobe and he wears a topi, 
and he's like the sort of ideal Muslim. No, there's exceptions in both. And I just want to mention something here, which I was reading before. Again, Ali Tawbi, a lot of genius. He said, Islam was not built upon the length of your beard. Well, this is in his book. Because it's not built upon the length of your beard or how long your thobe is. Because Islam was built upon the ideology and the figure, as we say, which Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam gave to Sahaba. Mm-hmm. Okay, and he said because of their insight, because of their connection with Allah, because of their life, their practical life, which they showed to others, Islam was able to flourish in the four corners of the world. Mm-hmm. He goes, they didn't have big speeches, and he goes, they didn't, you know, concentrate so much on these things which are outward. It was all upon the inside. Because even I know people, Wallahi, I know women who wear full niqab, but completely underneath the niqab, they westernized. And now I'm not making generalization. I'm saying some, not all. Okay, understand? Mm-hmm. Okay. Then on the other hand, you know, women who don't wear hijab, but they pray five times salah, you know, and they're asking Allah every day, give me the tawfiq, give me the ability to wear hijab. Mm-hmm. Then you have men who have beards and thobes, and they go do one of the most worst of things. You know, again, I'm not generalizing, it's just some. Then you have men who, like you said, don't have beards, but you know, their connection with Allah is something which is unbreakable. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is something we need to understand that more than our clothing, it's the figure or our mindset and our ideology which is inside. Mm-hmm. Because let's be honest, uh, I mentioned this, is that in the West, there have been mental warfare which have been opened up against the Muslims that Muslims don't know how to deal with. And I'm going to tell you right now, and it's going to be very, very harsh, that you cannot fight these mental warfares just by changing the way you dress. Wallahi, you can't. Mm-hmm. You cannot shun this sort of like Western sort of ideology which is coming into the minds of every single person just by changing your clothes. It's far deeper than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, like I said, the conversation is, is far deeper, you know. Um, and is it going back to the example of, of this evening, we need to establish the roots of what our principles are um, in our heart. And this is really important. Um, and these things take place within our younger years. As we grow older, then it's time to establish those roots and yeah. start letting the fruits grow. Um, but if we aren't given the, the ability or the time or the space to let them roots establish in, in our younger years, then it becomes very difficult. Yeah. Okay, um, I think we've covered quite a few points today, um, and it's it's not been an easy conversation to have, no. and it, it never will be. And there will be people that will agree with what we have said, and naturally there will also be people who will disagree with what we said, and we completely appreciate that. But like we said, it's important to get this conversation out into the public public space so that youngsters understand that there's other people who understand where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. Because if this conversation is not hard, I'm telling you right now, it's never going to be hard. Okay. Um, I think what we'll end with, what I'll, personally what I would really appreciate is if you have had an experience where you've been shunned for maybe the way that you've dressed or the way that your hair has been or something else that it may be, Please leave a comment down below. Please tell us about your experience below. I personally want to read about it. I want to hear about what your experience might have been. And I'm sure that other people will also benefit from reading about these experiences as well. So if you have ever had an experience like this, please leave a leave a comment below. If you want to remain anonymous, then drop us an email. Yeah. Um, the email can be below. And we'll post your comment on your behalf to, make it, to ensure that your an- anonymity, anonymity is preserved. Um, at the same time, please also like the video, please subscribe to the channel as well um, and share with your friends and your family um, so we can continue our journey um, and we get encouragement from yourselves uh, of continuing this journey as well. Um, that's all for us. The next episode, Kasim, 
Next episode, we're talking about food. Is it going to be a bit more lighthearted? Uh, I hope so. Okay. I see this one was a bit more deep and yeah, a bit more yeah. emotional, but yeah. So the next part, next episode will be about food. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know we're not going to be eating food at rating it a one out of ten, mm-hmm. but yeah, this episode will be about food, and we just leave that out and keep you guys intrigued. Okay. What's your favorite food? Ah, <laughs> uh, out of chicken. Out of the meat as well. Out of everything. Alhamdulillah. Okay. Um. Zakallah khair for listening. Um, see you in the next one, inshallah. Zakallah khair. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.